friends, Taylor from Doom to Fail. Today we are re-releasing episode 16, part 1, on Andrea Yates and the murder of her children. Um, this one is, I don't know, I feel like it might be a smidge controversial. Um, Fars was definitely arguing that, you know, she was a stay-at-home mother and had had a lot of promise when she was younger, and maybe that transition to just staying at home kind of made her um, mental health decline, and I think that's part of it, but I also think that, like, you have to be already predisposed to some sort of violence and like there's something else there it's not just the um the loss of potential but let us know what you think um it happened a long time ago but it's still just freaking heartbreaking and awful so trigger warning violence against children so um yeah keep us posted doom to at gmail.com please tell your friends and we will see you in the matter of the people of the state of california versus orenthal james simpson case number ba 097 and so my fellow Kick things off. Are you good, Taylor? Yeah, I'm good. I'm ready. Okay. Welcome to Doom to Fail, the podcast where we, I don't know, just travel. I can't. I'm oh God, so bad. What are you even talking about? We don't travel. I mean, we travel, but not for the podcast. We'd like to someday. Like Have us in your city. Like and subscribe. Yes. Talk yeah. to the local <laughs> venue. If a local library has like a spare conference room, ask yes. if we can host that. <laughs> No, exactly. uh, okay. So, no, we're the podcast where we're constantly traveling as individuals. You were in San Diego. I was in Denver. That's true. Mm-hmm. We're, we're probably the most jet setting podcast of any podcast hosts in the world, right? We are. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Then you'll be in Palm Springs, and then I have to go to LA right after that. So, jet setters. Jet setters. Breaking down barriers. Absolutely. Um, so obviously, this voice being heard is Taylor, um, our co-host. Uh, how are you doing Hello. today, Taylor? Good. Very. Uh, we just got back from San Diego, and then or last night, and then so I to come home from a vacation like on Saturday. So you have like Sunday to calm down, you know. So today yeah. we're just been like cleaning up. We went to a birthday party. It's very springy out here. It's beautiful. Finally, we my neighbor came over. I didn't see her. She kind of she just snuck by, but left us a big beautiful like bouquet of lilacs um that i brought in the house and it smells amazing but i feel like i might die of allergies any day what sweet neighbor i know it's really nice it's pretty i don't even know my neighbors i like barely i barely have neighbors and i could do a much better job so i need to go down hurt and say thank you fair enough and all that yeah uh so let's go ahead and segue into our stories and if i am correct on this i go first this time you do Thank you. So I'll tell you what I'm drinking. Yes. I'm drinking a Pacifico IRL, um, but I am drinking rum by the teaspoon. Okay. Which is the only way I drink rum. Yeah. They're teetotaler. That's how Mm -hmm. you do it when you're teetotaler. Teaspoon teaspoon at a time. Yeah. Well, that's why you never get drunk. That's why we call you Sober Taylor. Everybody calls me that. Everybody calls you that. Weird. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So I I should be drinking Coors. Like I said, I just got back from Denver, and we talked about Coors in the episode where we discussed Chris Watts, and now I'm drinking real Coors, which is Coors Banquet, which is the tan-colored can, and they're great. They're really good. Are they? Okay. I was going to ask if it was delicious or not. But I think it's a nostalgia of it. It's like I kind of miss being in Colorado, and like it's kind of cool to like, yeah, have a taste of the Rockies. But what I actually- You were in Colorado like last week, like yesterday, right? 
it has a place in my heart. Oh my forever. god. <laughs> 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 all right continue um, i adopt the personality of any place i go um <laughs> but so realistically for today's drink i chose lone star are you familiar with lone star no what is that so it's a texas specific beer but it's probably the shittiest one mm. it's what you get when you can't afford shiner or mm-hmm. ziegenbach i don't know if ziegenbach is still considered a good beer it was when i was in high school or college <laughs> high school i'm in college um <laughs> whatever but, whatever but it's basically it's got it's kind of like a coors light like it's just like a kind of like a run-of-the-mill it's not as bad as keystone but it's not as good as you know this banquet version of course that, that banquet right course cool. yeah exactly and the reason we're doing that is because we are going to be in texas which is where you need to be when you drink lone star makes sense and the reason we're in texas is because we're going to be discussing an angel of a woman Ooh. A lady. Andrea Yates. Oh. Oh, yeah. See, I set you up. I set you up for failure. She's not an angel. (laughs) I have conflicting opinions about Andrea Yates, and um, we'll be discussing it at length here. All right. Let me know. Per usual, Taylor, I'm going to try not to make excuses for people who do messed up things, but this story intertwines two things that, for me, obviously make sense. Devout religiosity mixed with mental illness equals bad yeah yeah how familiar are you with andrea yates i can't remember the details but i know that she she killed a bunch of kids her kids she drowned them in the bathtub is she the bathtub drowner she's the bathtub one oh and the and the oldest one was like i'll be good please don't do it you know what's funny is like i yeah you're right but and i always mix this one up with the one who like buckled her kids in the seat of the back car and then said like a bunch a black of black guys. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> sure, I shouldn't talk more about that because maybe that'll that'll be the next one I do. Uh, so yeah, you you nailed it. That's Andrea Yates, and that's what everybody knows about her. She drowned her kids in the bathtub, and I went pretty deep down the rabbit hole trying to figure out like what was going on with this woman and how this all came about. And I literally just hit on devout religiosity and mental mm-hmm. illness later on i'm going to describe why i'm prejudiced and i came up with that because andrea yates has a unique distinction where any pet issue you have you can attach to it it's spousal abuse it's loneliness it's a women's place in society today it's mental it's like every everybody can attach an issue to it and mine are yeah. religiosity and mental illness so on one episode of last podcast on the left, um, you might remember Henry said something that I'm going to paraphrase and probably semi butcher here. He says something to the effect of religion turns dumb, naive people into dumb, violent people. Yeah. You remember that one? No, but I get it. But I agree. Agree to agree. And that's and that's kind of like what I kept thinking about as I was reading this. And um, you know what, Taylor, just look up the Yates family. Okay, I don't want to. I'm sad. I know the okay. kids make me sad to look at, but Andrea and the husband, his name's Rusty. We're gonna get into are. It's interesting when I look at them because they just look so average, just painfully, yeah, yeah, yeah. painfully average. Absolutely. I have like no desire. I mean, I guess I should. Like, I know a lot of people like my brother-in-law and his wife they always get like family portraits done like nice ones and I, we just like never done that i just like that'd be weird if i like dressed up and like went to see was way too cool you're way too fucking cool for that that's like what lame people do look at the picture of andrea <laughs> yates and rusty and tell me that you belong in a similar photo lineup as they do 
No, I don't. All those beautiful boys. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So, in the case of Andrea Yates, I think it took a repressed and depressed person and turned her into a violent and numb person. That's what I get when I look at those pictures of Andrea Yates is like, there's just nothing there. Like, she's smiling, yeah. sure, but like, in the eyes, which I know you don't agree, I just don't see a lot of life behind those eyes. Like, there's something... Mm -hmm. like, the guy... The guy's, he's loving it. Like, he's hes scored. Like, he's hes doing great. I don't see that yeah. in her eyes, though. Is she, like, she doesn't have a job, right? She just, like, stays at home. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, some people like that. But, yeah, also, it can be very lonely and horrifying. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to lean on you a lot for this one, Taylor, because I don't know mm -hmm. what it's like to be a mother or a woman, which I guess are kind of synonymous with one another. Or it's hard. Yeah. I should have said woman and then mother, whatever, it doesn't matter. And it yeah. also be like our age range because I it's gotta be kind of in her case awful. I know that there's a lot of happy mothers out there, but they also didn't have five children with the goal of having a lot more than that. So like Ugh. at thirty six. Yeah. That's so. too many children. Um no, I mean I it's different for everybody. It's not I don't think it's not super easy for anybody, you know, but you just like have to figure it out. Like I have a great husband, so we, sh we split everything, you know, but other people don't and like that could make it a lot harder. Um, yeah. I also like, I don't know if I told you this, but someone that I'm connected to on LinkedIn, like started a group for like dads. Who It's like, it's hard to be a dad and have a career. And I was like, this is fucking cultural appropriation. Like, go fuck yourself. It is not hard for a dad to have a career. You know, like when you have kids, like women's value goes in the workplace, like they get paid less. You know, like if you tell people you have kids, you get paid less. A dad gets paid more because they assume that he can like work harder and will have more time. So like the more kids you have, the less you get paid if you're looking for a new job because the assumption is that you're not going to have time to do it. Like that still exists in the workplace today. I mean, yeah, I, that's not, this does not surprise me. <laughs> like this yeah. all sounds like it's, <laughs> like this feels like it's been since time immemorial has been the case. Yeah. If it's, it's hard, it's hard, but it's also wonderful. Um, I don't know. My kids are a fucking delight. So. No, I want I want you to talk about this when we get. Uh, I'll explain why I think the way I do about her being a mother and why it all came out in the way that it did. But mm -hmm. my main takeaway from this, like I just mentioned, was like repressed and depressed. That is exactly what I yeah. see when I see her pictures. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let's get into her background a little bit. So Andrea is from Houston, Texas originally. Her father. There's so many things that intertwine from other stories here. Her father was first generation American. His parents were Irish immigrants. Andrea's mom is actually from Germany. So mm. I bring that up because immigrant parents tend to put a lot on their kids with their expectations. And based on how Andrea turned out in high school, I think it's safe to assume that they were kind of traditional immigrant parents. Like they just like mm -hmm. helicopter parents, essentially. Yeah. She was valedictorian of her class, captain of her swim team. She was yeah. a leader in some way, shape, or form in the National Honor Society at her school. And mm -hmm. was just generally seen as an all-around great student kid student athlete classmate you name it mm -hmm. i would i would say that she's the girl that if you met her in high school you'd say oh she's she's gonna go places like she's she's gonna be someone you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we all know that overachieving so we all know that overachieving high school students are all kind of like harboring their inner demons like there's something going on when you care so much about your studies i think i don't know maybe i'm prejudiced about this like i graduated with a 2.1 gpa from high school like i was 
I was like pretty close to like it was, I think it was like me and this kid who like would start fires with like the last two people that graduated in our class. So like I'm not of the ilk that like understands why someone would be a high achiever in high school. Oh my like, god, you're so extent. funny. I mean, like, I wasn't I wasn't sporty, obviously, but um, I was you know the secretary of student council. I was on the national honor society. I was um, junior UN, right? You did junior UN. I didn't. I wish I did, though. Damn, we didn't have right. that. I wish I had. Um, and then I had a extremely high grade point average. Seriously? Yeah. Like, what was your GPA? I don't know, like 3.9 or something. Were you, like, top of your class, like, valedictorian? No, I think I was, like, 12 out of, like, 400 or something. Taylor, I'm very smart, 12? farmers. I think so. I may be making that up, but I'm going to say that for the record because no one's ever going to be able to check, fact check that. But I'm pretty sure That's I was, so like, smart, though. That's so smart because you could be lying and literally nobody will ever know. And they'll be like, Taylor's a genius. You but that also proves how smart I am. So no matter what path we take, I'm okay. super smart. So I know that in any episode that we start talking about stuff, you're going to start yelling at me about things. And now I know that this is the thing you're going to yell at me about. Okay. So just okay. Well, I'm saying, I'm saying that like, I'm fine. But it also like when when we do our homework with the kids, like Juan has to do it because Florence and I both get so stressed out and she starts to cry because I remember being eight and crying over my homework because it wasn't perfect. You know, like it was such different children. We were like <laughs> vastly different. But this is uh, so this is the part where you're going to start being upset at me. OK, Andrea went on from high school to become an RN. And look, I love nurses. Taylor, you know I love nurses. Like, you met my exes before. And there's no shade to nurses at all. But why the fuck would you work so hard in high school to become an RN? Like, it's a hard job, but it's not like being a, becoming a neurosurgeon. Like, why would you work that hard? Like, go fucking hang out with the kids. So the girl I'm dating now, I hope she's not here. But the girl I'm dating now, like, she's an RN. And, like, the story she tells me of her high school days, like, she was, like, jumping fences, running away from cops. Like, that's I what mean, she it's, did. It's just, it's not like... It's not like my high school grades mattered in my life, you know, but if you're the type of person that thinks that they matter because people tell you they matter, like I was, I just like worked really hard. I would have been like super disappointed if I hadn't, you know, it wasn't like to an end Interesting. Interesting. for the sake of learning and knowledge. Okay. So I do have a rant that I'm not going to do around how to raise children because i feel imminently qualified to discuss this topic we especially in front of you that could be a, a side a side show <laughs> but i do think there's something to rule followers versus rule breakers and how mm -hmm. that manifests in adulthood that... i mean i also like when we were 15 we told this dude we met who was a college dude that we were 16 and i used to stay at the night at his house like every weekend and we would just drink with college guys well, that's rebellious. But I got a lot of good grades. That's rebellious. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I was cool because I was very cool. No, no. I, I totally believe that you were cool. I mean, you're, you're <laughs> so cool. <laughs> that's what we're going to have dinner on Thursday at Palm Springs. Oh, Lord. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so I'm going to keep going. Please do. I'm sorry. No, no. This is great. You asked for banter. We're doing banter. So in 1989, Andrea met a guy named Russell Yates who went by Rusty. And, like, he couldn't have been that old, right? Like, a Rusty needs to be, like, an old, grizzled Vietnam yeah. vet, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Rusty was a NASA engineer. He was on the engineering computer side of things. Um, and cool. he was fairly accomplished. Uh, his biggest downfall is that he is, or was, an evangelical Christian. Mm -hmm. 
So out of all the versions of Christianity that I look down on, evangelicalism is pretty much at the very top of that list. And what's interesting about this is that most of Americans agree with me. Mm-hmm. So I read this article that included a poll in a publication called Christianity Today. The incredibly awesome and sassy title of this article is, quote, Evangelicals are the most beloved U.S. faith groups among evangelicals. (laughs) (laughs) At first, I was like, I'm not going to read this article. Then I read the title. I was like, oh, I got to go through this. This is fantastic. So across the board, um, evangelicals in this poll are the worst faith group in the U.S. And the only reason why this uh, article speculates the percentage isn't higher of people who hate evangelical Christian or the faith, not the people is because a quarter of the Christians now in the United States identify as evangelical. So that skews the results because they're not doing double blinds. Mm-hmm. It's weird because I, I wrote down here because like, I think of like Catholics and I actually like kind of love Catholicism because of how dark and morbid it is. Like there's just like, it's just vastly different than, I don't know. Like it, it, it'd be fun if different. it wasn't for all of the kid raping, you know? Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm not gonna record, but I, but I understand. I do like the I like the ceremony, of the pomp, the drinking of the blood. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like fun. it's like really macabre Looking and kind of cool. Naked yeah. dead guy. Yeah, yeah, like and Jesus is ripped, right? Like he's mm-hmm. jacked and ripped, and it's like none of that makes any sense, but it's still cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, by contrast, evangelical to me, like it is. I know this is another thing you're disagreeing me about. So I look at evangelical Christians the same way I look at like woke progressives in that mm-hmm. their belief system doesn't actually seem to be rooted in like at, like reality so much as it is rooted in performance art. That's truly how That's I fair. feel about woke progressives as I do with like these folks. Most of the beliefs in evangelical Christianity are why Republicans today are the way that they are. I mean, they are. Yeah. I don't, so I should have done my research on this. I didn't. There was an amazing podcast. It had to have been Freakonomics or This American Life, but they did this amazing podcast on evangelicals as a voting block and mm-hmm. how that was literally the thing that saved the Republican Party when Reagan was yeah. coming up. It is a yeah. massive component of why conservatives are the way that they currently are, mm-hmm. being rooted in, in, in the faith structure. It's also rooted in the infallibility of the Bible, and it and also it's a very U.S. centric religion as well. Mm-hmm. So I thought about like manifest destiny and how like we're the best because we're Americans, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Long story short is like Rusty was evangelical, which is horrible because they are shitheads and their belief yeah. system is a joke. Yeah, and most of Americans who are not evangelicals agree with me on that sentiment. As yeah. Christianity Today cited in their hilariously titled article. That's funny. That's Christianity Today. It's like fuck those guys. Yeah. Well, well, they so 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 part of it is because actual Christians, actual right. people of faith, don't think that religion and politics are one. They you shouldn't politicize your religion and turn it into into what evangelicals did. They made a mockery in mm-hmm. some ways of all these other christian beliefs so yeah, anyways totally go, moving on so going back to and, uh, andrea and rusty one thing uh, i read when after they were married because they you'll you'll learn later on that they've been through a ton of psychological discussions with therapists and stuff like real therapists or like the reese 
No, yeah. real therapist. Real therapist. Real therapist. Like, yeah, yeah. So one thing that came over and over again was them sitting together and saying that they really truly believe that they need to have as many babies as possible. Like that is like what God wants for them. They're supposed to do this. That's a big piece of this. And and it it all strikes me as Rusty's. It doesn't strike me as Andrea's. It strikes me as Rusty's belief Mm -hmm. system. So they did a good job. So they ultimately had five children. There was Noah, who's seven, John, five, Paul was three, Luke was two, and Mary was six months old. That is fucking bananas. So, like, this week we were at Legoland. I didn't go. I was, had to work from the hotel. But my my father-in-law went with Juan and our kids, and they met up with a family that we know. So it was five kids. My father-in-law was like, get me the fuck out of here. This is too yeah. many kids. Like, and I'm from a family of five. It's too many kids. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, especially that many under seven. That's crazy. Like that's like, I mean, like it's it's. I know people do it and, and they do it, but that just seems near impossible. They're at most two years away from each other, but yeah. there's also two that are less than a year from each other. You just have to. Ugh, it just sounds. It just sounds. It sounds almost impossible to me. Yeah, it's, and this again, like this is the part where like your take on this is going to become really, really nif- nifty and handy. Is I don't know what it's like to go through this, but um, I think that the pregnancies and everybody agrees that the pregnancies had a lot to do with what ended up happening. Mm-hmm. So it's worth noting that signs of Andrea being depressed were kind of a constant theme. So it started out in high school after everything happened with Andrea happened. Friends came out saying that they remember her talking about suicide after Luke was born. So Luke, the two year old, Andrea tried to commit suicide by overdosing on prescription pills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, should be hospitalized for this and put on antidepressants. The, the suicidal ideations would keep coming on, though. She'd eventually be put on a cocktail of medications, which did seem to stabilize her to some extent. But the problem was they kept getting pregnant. And she couldn't be on meds when she was pregnant because it would come out in the milk or something. Don't, I don't know scientifically well, how so this works. but You have to be careful with what you, you know, obviously when you're pregnant, you're like, you have a baby in there, so you shouldn't like binge drink you know you can have like a glass of wine every once in a while that's not going to kill the baby and after you have the baby like you can have a glass of wine and that's not going to kill the baby in the milk either but um i have been taking zoloft for like 12 years and they said that like it's okay to to keep it to use it when you're pregnant and i tried to get off of it when i was considering getting pregnant for the first time and i like i was like no like fuck this i'm being i'm depressed like it was too much i need to be on it so i just stayed out of both through both my pregnancies so there well, are safe things that you can be on. They might, they might look. They might have had different opinions on that. Fifteen years. It was the eighties. Yeah, totally. Like the nineties or whatever. Yeah. So no, this was two thousand one. So I mean, it was still yeah. a long time ago. But like mm-hmm. you know, the, how people perceive medication for pregnant mothers changes. I'm sure. Oh yeah, totally. So I will say this. Um, this is very counter to my normal personality type. Normally, I would be talking shit on Rusty constantly. You saw his picture, super generic dude, evangelical Christian. I don't really want to do that because I don't know subjectively what he was experiencing as part of this. Like, I think that Mm -hmm. he looked at things as like, my wife's crazy, pump her full of meds. Hopefully that'll work. And, but then I look at it, I'm like, what what else do you do like i mean back then how does a husband treat 
their wife in this situation you know like i don't i don't yeah i look at it within the context of the time that we're in and i'm like today obviously you have access to people you could talk to people and like research things like oh i need to do this with my wife i should do that like, but like back then it's like yeah you, you had nothing like you, he's just like a generic dude like i'm working every day and my wife is nuts i'm just gonna pump her full of meds and that's basically mm-hmm. it and he seems to be like advocating for mental health now days and he did back then Mm-hmm. But not, but in in like a in like a weird traditional thirty five year old husband in the early two thousands kind of way. Like it was just yeah. like not like he wasn't like an empath by nature. And in right. a lot of this, I look at this and I'm like, dude, like you turn this woman into like a baby factory because of your religious beliefs. Yeah, it just it takes it takes it's like so many women are depressed after they have one a baby. You know anything that messes with your hormones like that you know being on birth control in general like all those things like they make you can make you crazy so like, so that taylor that taylor's actually that only affects one in ten women that's postpartum what she yeah. had is called postpartum psychosis uh, which affects a very 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 small subset of women and rusty was just ill-equipped to understand that, like yeah. yeah my wife's crazy it's like no 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 dude like she's like she's like dangerous like it's not just yeah. crazy she's like dangerous at this point my mm-hmm. my thing was all like dude stop like being this guy and just hire a babysitter for a week take your wife to hawaii like let her experience yeah. a different lifestyle different like can you imagine this shit like this is the part where i don't understand it, where like wake up every day every day is the same there's five screaming babies i gotta nurse three mm-hmm. or four of them constantly like how horrible of a, is that a, is that a good life i don't know there's no there's people who love it i think legitimately my mom did it my mom well we were like 12 years stretched out through 12 years but she stayed home with us and she loved it um so you know a lot of people that's that's what they want that's their dream it's not for me like i have no desire to homeschool i have no desire to stay home with them um i really like them but like i think they should be out i think we should be separate during the day you know but um but th- i think there's people who genuinely do like it and, and that's like why I thought about like Andrea's inner childhood of like I did all the right things, I made the best grades, I did this, mm-hmm. and then I might I married a man who has a great job and he's gonna take care of us and he wants me to make kids, so I'm gonna make it. It's like she just did everything everybody else wanted her to do, and then yeah. like she wakes up and like this is her life. Like how yep. fucking sad would that? I mean, I don't know. I'm making excuses for it again, but whatever it is, what it is. Yeah. So this crime, what we're talking about here, happened 22 years ago. So she was 36 years old. You're 36. You got five kids. That's your and, and and coincidentally, there was plans to have more, both before and after the murders happened. <laughs> I'll get to that what? in a minute. I know, oh I know. I'll get to that in a minute. It's absolutely insane. So in mid 1999, Andrea had more mental breakdowns, more suicide attempts. I have I've heard. I have heard that doctors and researchers don't know why certain antidepressants work and why others don't. You know, the brain chemistry is a complicated thing. They yeah. put her on some complicated mix of cocktails that seemed to work, but occasionally it would stop working. They would change her cocktails and put her on something new. It seems to be a consistent thing with like mental illness and, and all that stuff. That's, uh, that's what you get with a 2.1 GPA when you're describing neuroscience. Um, <laughs> it's complicated shit. Um, it is. So she had another suicide attempt in mid-1999. Rusty apparently walked in on her trying to slice open her wrists. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, she was again hospitalized. And while being treated for this attempt, Andrea is quoted as saying, like, 
Taylor, this stuff is so scary to me because like it's like you're hearing someone's like demons come to the forefront. Yeah. It's so fucking scary. And then you look at the pictures of them smiling. It's like I'm I'm, I'm gonna talk more about that. I'm gonna compare it to a movie that you know and then we both love. She she was quoted as saying during at while being hospitalized here, I had a fear I would hurt somebody. I thought it better to end my own life and prevent it from happening. There was a voice, <sighs> then an image of a knife. I had a vision in my mind, get a knife, get a knife. Oh my god. And, oh god. It's like, <laughs> Like, yes. so yeah so like i said earlier um andrea was diagnosed with a much much more severe version of postpartum depression called postpartum psychosis mm-hmm. i wish i remember the numbers on this one in ten women get postpartum depression it was something crazy it was like one in like ten thousand or a hundred thousand get postpartum psychosis it's like a very exceptionally rare diagnosis mm-hmm. it's also referred to as ppp and the symptoms include delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech, abnormal motor functions, confusion. They called it severe difficulty sleeping, mood swing, and a whole host of other things. Like, it almost sounds like a yeah. schizophrenic. Like it sounds mm-hmm. like you're going through, and we'll learn later that, that she was actually having auditory and hallucinatory um, visions going on at the same time. Yeah, none of those things is someone who should be around children. Yeah. Yeah. And like, but I, it's been interesting that they had her hospitalized, but then she went back. I guess she had, I mean, what are you going to do? Well, so here's, so I actually didn't write this in the outline, but it was an interesting point that I probably should have, which is like towards the end when things really hit a crescendo, because you're going to see she's been hospitalized many, many times. Mm-hmm. One of those times, the doctors tried to involuntarily commit her. Mm-hmm. They're like, she's dangerous. Like you need mm-hmm. to like, we got to do this. Yeah. The husband was really adamant saying, no, we'll commit her, but it has to be voluntary. I want, we want to have control over it and when it ends and all that stuff. And so they're like, fine, we'll acquiesce as long as we're going to do it. He did it. The problem was if you do it in a involuntary commitment, there's no insurance limit on the maximum number of days that you can stay. But if you do a voluntary commitment, the insurance limit in Texas at that time for Blue Cross Blue Shield was 10 days. So they got 10 days of insurance coverage. On the 10th day, Rusty's like, we're not paying out of pocket for this shit. And they checked her out. Wow. Didn't mean she was good. Didn't mean she was well. Mm-hmm. He was like, what am I going to do? Am I going to spend $7,000 a day here? No, we got to check you out. Great. Good job, America. No kidding, Fuck. right? Yeah. So uh, her psychiatrist during this time uh, told Rusty to not have any more children. So... Yeah, she went to a psychiatrist, and this is severe diagnosis. <laughs> like, this is not a joke diagnosis. Yeah. The psychiatrist is like, guys, y'all really, really need to not have any more kids. Every time she has a kid, you are only going to exacerbate the PPP. Seven weeks later, she conceived the, the fifth child, Mary. Oh, my God. Yeah. Stay away from her. Like, like, look, look, I wrote down here, like, this makes Rusty sound awful, but when she was hospitalized, it's also worth noting that like nurses talked a lot about how diligent and supportive it was. He apparently went to work with like binders of her medical di- medical diagnoses mm-hmm. with him, so he could like research things on the side. He was always by her side whenever he wasn't at work, and would regularly raise a fuss if she wasn't getting what he thought was adequate care. So he tried. definitely wasn't well equipped to understand the dramatic ramifications of this, but he yeah. tried. So, How could you imagine? 
Yeah, like these are the stories. These are stories that you that Stephen King makes up. Like you can't yeah, imagine this happening to your own life, right? Yeah. So, anyways, going back to Mary. So she gave birth to Mary in November of 2020, and in March of 2021, shortly thereafter, Andrea's father died after an incredibly long stint with um, Alzheimer's. That was that was apparently very debilitating. Wait, That's, not twenty, not twenty twenty. I wrote twenty twenty. I meant to write two thousand in two thousand. Two thousand and. Okay, great. Thank I was you. like, that feels like it feels longer ago. <laughs> yes, definitely. So yeah, March of twenty. I was going to say it again. March of two thousand one is when Andrea's father died, and that seemed to be a jumping off point for this. At that time, she stopped taking her medication. She started regularly cutting herself. She stopped taking care of the kids or herself. Yeah. To the point where she had to be hospitalized again. I keep picturing like, what was this house like? If you're Rusty, who presumably is normal, mm-hmm. what is this house like? Yeah, horrifying. Like it sounds like a vision from a nightmare. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a, I, I'll never find this again. And you know what? I'm probably gonna po- go post on Reddit to figure out what this was. There was a video I watched like forever ago where it was like it was a show or a TV show or a movie. It was a clip of some sort. But there's a man in this like room watching tv and ignoring his wife and the wife keeps mm-hmm. trying to get him to her to pay him to pay attention to her he doesn't so she goes in the bathroom and breaks the glass window or the mirror and then starts cutting her face with <gasps> the shards of glass and goes out and says will you pay attention to me now like do you know what i'm talking about Ugh. no that's yeah, horrifying. I, I need to figure i need to find this because i saw it forever ago and it's been etched in my memory i probably saw it like 25 years ago and i still can remember this to, to this oh day. totally but, that's that's a horrifying scene oh my god yeah it was it was but no. like I, I kept picturing it when i was doing research for this so anyways she so again mary's born father dies she goes back into like this state that she's in after being hospitalized, got released again. And a month after that release, experienced another episode where she became catatonic. Like she's starting to, wow. she's starting to almost come across like she's possessed. Mm-hmm. She later would tell police that on this day, she filled the bathtub with water and just stood there staring at it. Mm. Like just stood there staring, not saying mm-hmm. anything, probably not even blinking. And she did also mention later on that she thought that what she was thinking about while she was staying there was killing her kids that day. That was the, oh that was God. all she did. Uh, again, she got uh, Rusty came in, found her doing this. She got hospitalized again, and then you know she goes over to um, to, to the psychiatrist ward. By this time, it was pretty clear that Andrea was for sure suicidal and for sure incapable of caring mm-hmm. for herself or the kids. Rusty was actually told by her doctors to never leave her alone and definitely never leave her alone with the kids. Oh, my God. Most of the time, Rusty didn't. Most of the time, Mm -hmm. he didn't. His theory on it after a while was like, well, look, she's a grown woman. Eventually, she's going to have to be alone. Maybe I can, like, kind of wean her on to being alone with, like, the kids. That makes sense. I mean, who knows? And he would do this in, like, very controlled it was like a controlled experiment. Again, like I'm giving him credit for mm-hmm. this. I don't know if I should, but I am. On June 20th of 2001, for one hour, he left her alone. Rusty went oh to work. God. And Rusty's mom, Dora, was supposed to come over an hour after. So 
I don't even know if it was like forced scheduled like that or anything. I think that Rusty planned it because he was like, yeah, give her one hour alone and then you show up, mom, and then take care of things, right? Right. Let her try it for an hour. Exactly. Exactly. So like, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know how much to blame him for that. Mm -hmm. But I can say that during that hour, she filled the bathtub up, up again mm. and then systematically drowned all five of her children. Oh, my God. She started with the eldest. So she started with uh, the not the eldest, so two went under that. It was Luke who went first, then Paul, then John. She would then take their bodies and put them in her bed, wrap them up in the sheets. She drowned Mary, the six-month-old, left the body in the bathtub and just kind of sat there with it. Mm -hmm. And then Noah comes in, the oldest boy, who's seven, yeah. and sees it and asks what's wrong with Mary. Mm -hmm. He apparently understood enough. I don't know how how attuned seven-year-olds are to things, but he yeah. understood enough to like know that, oh, something's really wrong, and try to run away from his mom, which is like a crazy thought. Like, I would never run. Like, can you imagine at seven running away from your mom? Like, I, it's like it's your crazy. whole world. Oh, my God. She eventually grabbed him and then drowned Noah as well. She then called the police and really didn't specify what was wrong. She would say, I'm Andrea Yates. You know, I need the police, yada, yada, yada. One thing she said was like, she basically, she just said it's time. Like it was, it's all very biblical and cryptic sounding, you know, like it was just, yeah. so, oh, what does it mean? She then called Rusty and said, quote, you'd better come home. To which Rusty replied, quote, is anyone hurt? Ugh. Andrea responded, quote, yes, the children. All of them. Oh my god! I was down here, Taylor. Like the movie I was referencing earlier was Event Horizon, and the reason I thought of Event Horizon was because there's this scene where the the guy, our favorite character, Sam Sam Neil, what's his name? Sam Neil. Sam Neil, yeah. What's his real name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, whatever his character name was, he um he just like once his eyes were removed and he became fully possessed, like he just like talked in a deadpan voice. You're mm -hmm. coming with us forever. It's just like, Ooh, yeah, just see that in this woman. It's fucking real, and it's like in yeah. the 2000s. So everything, everything was covered in carpet and beige. It's just all just grossest. <laughs> so terrifying. Ugh. Yeah, it, it to me. I wrote down. It just felt like her soul was completely gone. Like I don't know yeah. why the direction her mind went. It went the way it did. But it, whatever. So Andrea confessed to the murders. Obviously, she's insane, right? She claimed mm -hmm. insanity, and that was actually rejected. So tell the <laughs> way it works is that insanity is a defense. It's not like a different trial. Like, you just say this person was insane. That's how you do it. Most of the time, insanity defenses don't work because right. the way that you prove insanity is you have to prove that that person couldn't tell right from wrong at the time mm -hmm. of the crime due to mental defect. That's the mm -hmm. legal definition of it. There's a ton of cases out there where somebody does something absolutely horrible and then tries to cover it up. And the mm -hmm. fact that they try to cover it up validates that they were not insane. Because if you try right. to cover it up, then they you knew. know they did something wrong. Mm -hmm. So if you ever kill someone, just walk around with their skin draped around you like you're normal. Like go to the coffee shop and then yeah. like you will get off because it's like obviously nobody would do that who was out of the We're not going to get off or you're going to go to a mental institution. Right. I will discuss that as well because there's okay. actually no timelines on mental on, on um, involuntary commitments, which is very interesting. <laughs> the jury found uh, so the mental defense failed. They find, found her guilty and they sentenced her, her to life imprisonment. The prosecution wanted the death penalty. They were like, "No, this woman is going to get life." Three years later, so she's on 
in a maximum security jail. Three years later, an appellate court reversed the conviction. This is insane. They reversed the conviction because they found that a prosecution's expert witness lied on the stand. The guy's name was Dr. Park Dietz. He had testified that weeks before the murder, a Law & Order episode aired of a woman who drowned her kids in a tub and then claimed insanity defense to get off. There's, I, I, so there's um, this woman that I'm going to reference a little bit later on. She wrote phenomenal articles about the case, the mm -hmm. murders, her life. Like she, her articles are mostly what I referenced for this. She wrote a book about it as well. And I'm going to, I'm going to quote her here later on. She was also the, uh, a, a writer for Law & Order during this time when this happened. And she came out saying, no, I'm actually... I'm a journalist now who is covering the Andrea Yates trial. You referenced this time period of Law and Order that I was working as a writer on. We never did that episode. Huh. But he was just totally making shit up. Weird. Yeah. And so because of that, the appellate court was like, no, like that testimony could have been enough to have swayed the jury into thinking that she was literally just trying to fake being insane. So we're going to reverse right. the conviction. She was retried. She was found not guilty by reason of insanity. And then, like I mentioned before, like this is an interesting part of the insanity defense. You don't actually get time for being insane. You're just held until you are evaluated to be determined to be sane again. So right. that could be a month, a year, never. It's totally, Forever, yeah. yeah. And so that's where she ends up. She ends up in a mental facility, facility in Texas. It's a minimum security facility. And every year she gets to come up for review to see if she's healthy mentally enough to be released. And every single year since this would have been 2005, she's refused to go undergo her review. She doesn't want to do it. Yeah. Apparently she's happy. Like yeah, she's, what's she going to do? Like get a job? I, like apparently. So as far as I understood it, like she's just like numbed, right? Like she's just on medication completely mm -hmm. zonked out and it's just like just sits there and like it, it's like um it's like the the chief and one clue one flew over the cuckoo's yeah. nest there's another answer piece this which is like the blame component of it like i said i talked a little bit about rusty but everybody kind of blamed everybody else so the doctors blamed rusty because they're like we told you don't leave her alone we told you to involuntarily commit her mm -hmm. like but I will say this, the doctors never actually said that they thought that she was a danger to the kids. So they had an option to choose the, the, these like multiple checkboxes. Is, is this person a danger to herself? Is she a danger to her kids? Is she like mm -hmm. so on and so forth? And they didn't check the danger to the kids part. And so hmm. they could have escalated this outside of Rusty's control if they had done that. And they just mm -hmm. didn't because I guess they didn't think it was that serious. Wow. Most people though, blame Rusty. Almost all of them. Yeah. They blame his desire for kids, how quickly he wanted to have them, how quickly in succession he wanted to have them. The religiosity of everything that was involved gave this like mm -hmm. dark, dark component to this. Most of most reports come out and say that if it wasn't for the kids, this well, obviously this wouldn't have happened. Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, obviously, yeah. But but like my point being, like if it was like you're a nuclear family, you have two kids, yeah, probably not going to happen. Right. Uh, on the on the religiosity side, so also the other part of this, the media also blamed religion. Everybody blamed whatever. Everybody blamed everybody. It's worth noting that Andrea 
noted that she didn't think that she was a good mother and then part of what they think was like in her head of this was like my kids are going to be like wicked sinners and they're not their immortal souls won't go to heaven if they grow up because they're going to be terrible because i'm a terrible person i'm a terrible mother killing them will save them from damnation that's another piece of this damn there was a really really important piece of this that i forgot to put in here what i didn't put in here that was really really interesting and this was part of the article i read in the woman's name the one the one that i mentioned earlier her name is susan o'malley she wrote that rusty thought andrea's gonna get off he was at the trial every day mm-hmm. he thought andrea was gonna get off and was already starting to plan having more kids with her what yeah That's crazy like yeah like she's what gonna go home and be fine but yeah i don't get it that's really weird like yeah that... it's um did he, it's... Did he get remarried he did so he filed for divorce once she um came out of that maximum security prison uh and went into the psych board he filed for divorce and was granted that divorce it would have been 2005 he remarried a woman or he married a woman named uh laura arnold and then she filed for divorce from him in 2015 they have one kid together so hmm. he he stopped yeah, that means Being he has so. six kids. He has six kids in total. That's nuts. Wow. So, uh, like I said, um, I'll, I'll shout this woman out because I actually think that her work was, like, incredible. It was incredibly easy reading. It was incredibly thorough. It was awesome. So, the article that she wrote is called um, A Cry in the Dark. Uh, her name is Susan O'Malley. And one thing that she points out about this case, which is, I think, one of the reasons why it's so persistent in terms of like being top of mind for people she wrote down that each of us sees in the yates case our own issues the death penalty children's rights women's rights men's rights rights the mentally ill religious rights or just plain righteousness and that's like a really really good point because like a lot i hate to say like a lot of people kill their kids it's not like that rare of an occurrence like it happens but this one was really really unique because it a the number of children was crazy and then Mm -hmm. There's so many other things that were going on there. So much just emptiness and sadness and like just, I don't know. Um, yeah. And it still persists. And I think it's going to be one of those cases that we like think about forever. Like it's just totally like, just, like it, it brings up just such a terrible feeling, you know, like I just, I was think of that poor last kid who was like. He was old enough to know what was going on. And like I saw his sister dead in the tub and like ran away, you know, poor baby. That's so, so bad. scary. So bad. And they probably, I mean, their life is probably so scary anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It had to be, had to be awful. Like I, yeah. so on the, on the, on the point of the podcast, like the whole doomed or fell red flag part of it, I, again, because of how Susan O'Malley references this later on, like I don't actually know what to hone in on other than live your, live your truth like i know that sounds really hokey especially coming from a guy like me but like like if you don't want to be the valedictorian and you don't want to have like the perfect life with the perfect white bread husband who works at nasa and like instead you want to run away with like a fucking harley davidson riding guy to vegas and get a bunch of like flame tattoos like do that like like don't live a life that you don't want to live because you'll resent it and or it's, it's okay to change your mind like it's okay like to maybe she like you know doesn't feel bad as bad as she did as you do against smart people in high school, but like maybe she just like <laughs> maybe she wanted to do that, and at some point things were super out of her control, bad. 
because of her diseases. No, but well, so, okay, so this is the rant that I didn't do earlier that I'm, I'll do now is like, if you, ne- if you don't have the muscle in you that is like, I'm going to do what I want and fuck what everybody else wants me to do. I'm going to rebel. If you just don't have that muscle in you, you can't expect someone to just like pick that up and learn it at some point. Totally. Right. That's why like, like I'm going to be the, you know, I got to be the best. I got to be the valedictorian. I got to do this. I gotta do... It's like, you just don't, you, she just didn't have it. She just didn't have that muscle in her of like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to do what I want to do instead. And I don't know. Well, then like, I think, I think part of like the, part with like postpartum depression and that stuff is like you you have in your head you're like i'm supposed to want this why do i feel this way you know and yet you feel like a failure maybe that my takeaway from it is like yeah just like what does she say about it does she say anything andrea yeah no dude i'm pretty sure she just stares at a corner of a wall forever until she dies no like my, my take on it was more like be cool with your kids like rebelling and like like that's healthy it should be a good thing and like they're and more like them like, you know be like are you okay yeah <laughs> yeah like you know listen i'm gonna write a child i'm gonna not a child but i'm gonna write a child rearing book a guide okay, on yeah. how to raise children um and Perfect. it'll be available in every swamp and sewer that has books probably that's but what that's what the world is asking for more fars um what does this childless 30 something year old man have to say about raising kids <laughs> And how hard it is. You know what I noticed? Taylor's like, this chair is like super squeaky today. Uh-oh. Can't even imagine what's coming. I Anyways. didn't hear it. So we are, we are, so that's my story. Wow, it's, so sad. Yeah, it is. It's it's sad. It's fascinating. It's fucking scary. It's so scary to me. It's 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 like every horror possession movie I watch, like this is it. Like this is, yeah. except it happened. Like, yeah. Anyways, um, but on to your side of the equation. I'm gonna pull out my teaspoon. Of rum. teaspoon of, do you have tea? Do you have measuring cups? No, <laughs> definitely not. Just, just curious. I'll, I'll I'll grow up eventually and get spoons that measure things, but not not quite yet. Yeah, you don't need to. Yeah, forty two. Forty two is the age when you start having to invest in like measuring cups. I, mm, okay, you do you. I'll be an example. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, awesome. Thank you for sharing that terrible story. Let's flip over to talk about historical failure and the crazy story. 